Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Because you live, Lord Jesus, we live. We thank you, Lord, that even though we identify with you in death, we also are alive because of you. And we have a living relationship with you today. Because you live, we can face tomorrow. We thank you, Lord, for this night tonight. We thank you for brothers and sisters who shared with us, led us in worship. Thank you for them. Bless them for their time and their effort to do this with us. And Lord, we thank you for this evening that we have together to look at your word and to have fellowship around your word. We ask that you might help us to truly understand what it is that you have for us in our own personal lives and the things that we need in our lives that we might be useful and fruitful as followers of Jesus in these days in which we live, the challenges which we face. So while we're praying tonight, let's, uh, let's uh, do our practice of what we've done before. And those of you joining us from home, we're glad you're with us. We miss you, but we're glad you're with us. Let's all pause for a moment. And there's someone perhaps on your mind tonight that you need to pray for. <clears throat> so let's all pause for a moment and allow the Holy Spirit of God to place on your mind that special person tonight that needs you to pray for them in a special way. Let's just pause and, and ask the Lord, Lord, put on our minds now. There are lots of people that can come to our mind, but there's a special person that I ask, Lord, you'd place in the minds of all of these brothers and sisters who are here tonight that we might be faithful to pray for that one special person tonight that's on our heart. So, Lord, we present this person to you tonight. We ask that they might know and understand the great love you have for them. May they discover and understand the will of God for their lives. May they recognize that you have purposes to accomplish in their life. May you encourage them if they are discouraged. May you empower them if they are weak. May you comfort them if they're in sadness and sorrow. <clears throat> we pray for our own church family. We pray for, the, for Wanda Utzler. We pray for David Morgan Jones and the loss of their dear, dear ones. And we pray that you'll be, be with them in the days ahead as we, as we work with them and minister to them. For the many who are sick, the many who are troubled, the many who are afraid, the many who are angry, bitter, hateful, lost, and despairing, and those who are rejoicing, and those who are celebrating. Wherever we find ourselves, wherever we find our friends and our family, we pray for them all tonight. We present them to you. We pray for the United States of America. We ask that your will and purposes would be done in this place. And in our homeland, that Jesus might be glorified and honored. Not any man, not any group of people. How we thank you for the wonderful blessing of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God to be our teacher. And now we ask that you would help us to understand clearly what it is you have for us tonight. The things that we need to do. The things that we need to be in order to be your people in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Well, again, good to see all of you tonight. I hope you picked up the outline on your way in tonight. We're uh, continuing in 2 Peter chapter 1, if you'll find your place there. We continue to talk about things that you need. <clears throat> I should clarify this because what we're looking at here in 2 Peter is not the things that we need like a, need, like a consumer. I need this. Or like sometimes in church people say, well, I need people to do this, that, and the other for me. No, this is what we need to do, and this is what we need to be as God's people. And uh, all of you who are our people who are joining me tonight, also electronically, and all of us, we miss you, we love you, and we're glad that you're with us wherever you are in these strange uh, days in which we live. So remember, these are the things you need to be. These are the things you need to do as followers of Jesus Christ. Let's read it again so that we understand this from Peter's perspective. And we've been laboring with this for a while, <clears throat> but I want us to finish this section because it's so very important. I have a burden about this because I believe this is part of the responsibility. We have some things we need to be and some things we need to do rather than sitting around moping and complaining and whining all the time. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence. 2 Peter 1.5. <clears throat> Peter's writing again. To all of those who have received a faith of the same kind as his, and that's us. He says, now for this reason, apply all diligence in your faith. And then supply moral excellence to your faith. And then to your moral excellence, supply knowledge. And to your knowledge, supply self-control. And to your self-control, uh, uh, supply perseverance or endurance. And in your perseverance, supply godliness, as we saw last week. Verse 7, and in your godliness, supply brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Please notice what Peter says, for if these qualities are yours... If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent, second time he said this, to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Look, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. What a great promise. How do I maintain my strength as a believer? How do I keep from going back into sin? Well, it's these things that I need to be and these things that I need to do. So again, we come back to it. Our faith in God, verse 5. The moral excellence with which we're to live our life, virtue, to have a virtuous life, a life marked by, by character, character and knowledge, knowledge, growing knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And in our knowledge, self-control, learning what, when to keep our mouth shut, when to keep our hands off things, when to stop our feet from going places they shouldn't go. Self-control. And along with self-control, endurance. Oh, have we talked about endurance these days. But in your endurance, then <clears throat> we came last week to godliness. Godliness. 
And I, <clears throat> I find it interesting that Peter now links together godliness with two kinds of Christian love. And if we could read this in the original language, in the, the Greek language, it would read in verse 7, and in your Philadelphian agape. That's the last two words. In your Philadelphian, that's not a city, it's a word describing what we'll look at tonight. Philadelphia, we know, the city of brotherly love. Well, that's what the Greek word Philadelphian means. It means brotherly love, brotherly or family affection. So notice it's like, a, it's like the top of the triangle. It's like the crowning virtue. We start with our faith in God and it ends in our love for the brethren, for brothers and sisters in Christ, and then unselfish love, as we'll talk about next week, toward all the world. So it is no accident that these things, this is what I need to do. It's not what I need you to do for me. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to do in my life. Look, if I'm doing these things towards you, it's a blessing to you. If you're doing these things toward me, it's a blessing toward me. It allows me to be as a follower of Jesus useful. That's what I'm here to do. <clears throat> for whatever reason, the Lord has allowed us all to live another day. That means He's using you for His purposes. You are to be an instrument in His hands. You're to be useful to God. Make my life useful to, to Thee. Here am I, send me, Lord. Here am I, send me, Lord. Make my life useful to Thee. That's an old song we used to sing. And then fruitful. What will you leave behind at the end of your life? I mentioned it before. So going tomorrow to do Ken Usler's funeral, one of our dear brothers here. What does he leave behind? He leaves many things behind the fruitfulness of a life given to serving God. When you're gone, you know, some fellow singing that song, will anybody show up at my funeral isn't really the question. What will happen? What waves? What consequences? What fruit will be left when you're put in the ground? That's really the question. Is it going to be that everyone will look at all the things you've done or all the things you've acquired? Or will they see that you have planted the seeds of the gospel and there is a fruitfulness that comes from your life? This is what the Lord said we're to be. And I'm lingering here before I get into this because this is so very important. And in this day of Christianity, it's often not thought of. I read it to you again from John 15. I am the true vine. I'm talking about fruitfulness here. Why do I need these things? I need to be and I need to do these things in order to be useful and fruitful for the Lord in this world. I am the true vine. My Father's the vine. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it. So as you're bearing fruit, He's pruning us. Oh, the afflictions and troubles of life. They prune us so that we bear more fruit. This is the, this is the purpose of the Christian life, fruitfulness. This is the purpose of the church gathering. Is our church a fruitful church in these matters? So today, 
Our focal truth is this. Every believer needs to practice brotherly love toward all. Did you hear the preacher's emphasis? All God's people. This will become very clear as we go through this. I've chosen tonight to use this to give us, in somewhat of a way, I'm going to give you this in, in the order of a word study, because I wanted to look at the various passages that come around this theme of brotherly love. Oh, my dear friends, how can I describe to be loved by God and loved by His people brings the greatest joy, encouragement, and confidence to life. May I say it again? These two things, to be loved by God and to be loved by God's people. Did you know there's somebody that God is placing in your life who is a believer in whatever condition they're in, they need to experience your brotherly, sisterly love. They need to experience family love from you. And that's what Peter is driving at here. It is no accident. I believe all the words are not only inspired, but they're in proper order, and they're laid out in sequence. And this very sequence is clear. We love to talk about godliness, and we spent all last week talking about the characteristics of godliness and godly living. But to be a godly one and not not practice brotherly kindness or brotherly love is to miss and misunderstand godliness. In fact, we're going to see tonight, if there is a lack of brotherly love in your life, you're lost, you're not saved. Whatever you are, you're not saved. So these things become very important to us, don't they? If we're here tonight to seriously consider what it means to be a useful, fruitful follower of Jesus. These are the things I need. Faith in God, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, and now tonight, this wonderful, sweet, kind, wonderful, joyful thing of expressing to others brotherly love, brotherly kindness. Well, let's uh, look at this in a little bit more detail. I've already started in on number one. The believer is useful and fruitful in practicing brotherly love. When I practice brotherly love, I'm being useful. Oh, somebody says to me, Pastor Mike, I can't do it. I don't really have any gifts. Why? I can't get up and, and praise God and sing and do all the things that all of our wonderful dear people do that sing and, and, and preach and teach. I, uh, what can I do? You can, ex you can express brotherly love. That's what you can do. This is for all of us. This is what we do to be useful to other people. We are useful. We, 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 we express ourselves to others by demonstrating brotherly love. So it's brotherly kindness, family love, or family affection. The, the word itself, I've given you some notes here. If you go back and look at this word, and I'm not going to bore you with all this history of the word, but... In the ancient world, this word for Philadelphian was a word that described the love that went on in a family. Now, we all can understand that. There is a deepness and an affection and a love. There's all kinds of wonderful things. You know, your family may be like our, our family. We, we have all these love names for each other. You know, they're, they're not really our, our name, but they're a love name. 
And those are all acts and expressions of our love. In the early church, they were love names for these, these followers of, uh, of the Lord Jesus. Barnabas becomes the son of encouragement. Uh, we find that uh, James and John, the sons of thunder, the Lord loved them. There was brotherly love there among those apostles. Peter the stone, uh, all of these with these names, these these love names, it's, it's a, the familiarity of family. Our church is filled with wonderful families that, that meet together and have deep affection for one another. Take that now and expand that to all of God's people. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about that same kind of family affection now must be expressed to all of the family of God with whom you are associated. Now, you may, not, you, you may say about this church what you say about your family. Well, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Well, there you are. You're stuck with me, and I'm stuck with you. Praise God. We better learn to love one another. Brotherly kindness. What must echo through our minds, and what must be said with our mouths, and what do we do with our hands while the Word describes this cherished, wonderful experience of being loved by family. I'm sad when I hear stories about people who have never experienced that in their family. But it is the picture of love that comes in a family. Caring, brotherly love, brotherly, sisterly care for one another. It is this beautiful picture of the intimacy I'll talk about in a little while that you see between parents and their children and husbands and wives. Believers practice family love, and family love has to do with caring for all God's people in a family together. So how do we do that in a church of this size? Well, it takes all, every one of us. Now, again, I'll do my part. And there's the expectation, and I understand this. You know, the pastor and the pastors, well, you need to take care of all the people. I, and I appreciate that, and I'll do the best I can. But I can only do so many people. I'm not making an excuse. It's just facts. It's just you, you, we need everybody. We need you all. I need your help. The deacons need your help. The pastors need your help. What do we need? We need like-minded believers who express brotherly kindness, and they do it with the right heart. They do it out of a godliness. Out of godliness flows this desire for to express and be useful to others and be kind and caring to them. Would you say this describes your life, or are you one of those self-centered Christians? Everything's about what you need. Everything's about what you want. Everything has to be in order, and when it's not, boy, you make sure everybody knows about it, don't you? You let everybody know when you have a complaint or a criticism. You let everybody else know. But is there in your life, are you characterized by this quality of brotherly, sisterly, family affection for all of God's people? The ones that are rascals, the ones that are hard to love, the ones that you love the most, you see, we like to be with the people we like. It's the other ones that we have trouble with, isn't it? What did the Lord say? What value is it if you love those who love you? Isn't that what pagans do? Well, they got their own crowd they run with. 
They run with their crowd. They love their crowd. Oh, the rest of the people? No, no, wait a minute. But this is all of God's people here. Oh, there's something special about loving God's people. And so tonight we see, first of all, that the practice of brotherly love is, is the goal of helping us be useful and fruitful. Secondly, it is, it is to be practiced without hypocrisy. Perhaps you have been guilty of this, as I have in ministry life. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, uh, we read these words uh, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 20, For He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And then, now, since you have obeyed, uh, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls, you've been saved, now it is for a, look at the purpose, for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. What would be a motto for this church? What would be something we must learn to do as a church? It is that we must learn to practice sincere love for the brethren. Sincere love for the brethren and fervently love one another. So obedient, the obedience and pure believer unhypocritically love God's people. You know, we can sometimes act like we love people. We can sometimes say things that appear we love people, but we really don't. We, we put on an air about us. We, we pretend as if we are caring and loving, but generally there is our own ulterior motive, or we feel peer pressure to do it. Is there in your heart a sincere desire to love all of God's people? Do you have in your heart a desire? This is important. This is the way you look at your flesh, and this is the way you kill sin, because this is a hard one for the church. You would, you would think it'd be an easy one, but oh, it's not as easy as you think. To practice brotherly kindness toward those even in the church who have been hurtful toward you. Or have not done things that you would think are right or proper. There is to be a sincere love for or of the brethren. Uh, Romans 12, 9, let love be without hypocrisy. It's, it's easy to put on a show and act like we love people. But this is an important challenge for us. James says it this way, James 3.17, The wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable and gentle, reasonable. Now, let, let's just, that would help us all. What is it that the Lord gives us as God's people? What are the winsome, wonderful things God gives us that make us attracted to God's people? Well, it's these kinds of things. Purity, peaceable, peaceable, gentle, reasonable people in a world of impurity, total war and outright hatred, lack of any gentleness, and lack of any reasonableness, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without Hypocrisy. Oh, may God cleanse us in our love for one another of hypocrisy in brotherly love. Well, you know, it's kind of like, well, I have to do this. 
I have to love this person or what will they think? No, that's the wrong way. I love this person because they are one of God's children. They are one of God's people. So the believer uh, practices brotherly love in an, without hypocrisy and with a warm heart. So here we have it in 1 Peter 1.22, second part of the verse. Fervently love one another from the heart. This is a present tense verb. Keep on or fervently in your life, in your living, maintain a warm heart for God's people. This word fervent can be translated from the Greek language in two ways. The word here, particularly this Greek word for fervent, means to be stretched. Sometimes the word fervent is a word that has to do with boiling, something getting warm, stretching something, warming something. Is your heart stretched for other people? Do you have room in your heart? Is your heart enlarged, not only for God, but is your heart enlarged for someone else? Are you waiting for someone to do something for you in order then you to do it for them? Oh, my dear friend, you've got it backwards. We love the Lord God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. We love them. We our heart is stretched. We are warm-hearted toward one another, not cold-hearted, warm-hearted toward one another. So the practice of brotherly love is without hypocrisy. It is warm-hearted love for God's people. Uh, what does Peter say? First Peter 4, 8, above all, above all, church, my friends, listening, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Every one of us fail one another in church. When there, when there are disruptions and troubles between members in the church and struggles, love covers a multitude of sins. There's always sin on all sides when we have these troublesome times among God's people. But above all, keep fervent. This is your duty. This is your duty. This is your job. What must you do? This is what you need to do. You must maintain fervency in your love for other people in the church. The practice of brotherly love is brotherly care. So we go to 1 Peter 3.8. Just following Peter through. I've just tried to take you primarily through Peter's thinking on this, but I have a few from Paul and John. But 1 Peter 3.8, you'll notice that in talking about godly living, he sums it up, as I just said, be... Be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Let's, let's look at that list for just a moment. How is it, what is it that makes a Christian attractive? What is it that makes a Christian attractive? Is it their knowledge of the Bible? I don't think so. Is it their strong, fearless, courageous faith? I don't think so. I mean, it can be. I think it's this. It's this brotherly, kind-hearted humility that is attractive. You know why? Nobody in the world lives like that. And most of the church doesn't either. Because we have sin. Because we have broken relationships we will not deal with. Be harmonious. 
Now, I appreciate, do you not appreciate Shauna and the rest of these who sing for us every week? Do you appreciate them? Yes? Amen? Do you? Yes? Okay. Aren't you glad they sing in harmony? You didn't get it, did you? Sometime you all sing without harmony and we'll teach them what that really sounds like. Harmonious, sympathetic, sympathetic. Isn't it said of the Lord Jesus in the book of Hebrews that He is our sympathetic? He sympathizes with our weaknesses. Do you have sympathy for anyone? I'm not saying that when someone tells you their sad story, you just say, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Are you? When I'm really sympathetic, I try to find a way to help, to care, to love, to be kind. But I love this one word that is so strange in this reading of 1 Peter 3, 8. It's harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly. There's that word, brotherly. It is the word used in the Greek language to describe a loving brother or sister. To be brotherly is to be a loving brother or sister in Christ. That's what it means. To be brotherly is to be a loving brother. Sister or brother, there's nothing more attractive than being around those brothers and sisters who, have, who are loving others of God's people. So we learn this very important phrase, love the brotherhood, he also says in 1 Peter 2, 17. Honor all people, love the brotherhood. Do you love the brotherhood of God? Do you love God's people? Or do you just tolerate them? Do you love some of God's people? Do you love all of God's people that the Lord puts you in contact with? Do you love God's people who don't necessarily worship like you do? Do you love God's people who perhaps may have some other ways in which they come uh, in their relationship to God at church? Do you love God's people? I'm talking about those who are truly born again, who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. The practice of brotherly love includes brotherly care. The practice of brotherly love is devotion and preference, preferential treatment for all of God's people. So what does Paul say? Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. I give you the two words here. Devoted means mutual love of parents for children and husbands and wives and their tenderness. Devotion. Devotion to God. That's what we talked about last week about being godly. It is devotion to God. Primary devotion to God. Nothing else goes in front and surpasses my commitment to follow Jesus. I'm devoted to following Jesus. But oh, this is about devotion to each other. Are you devoted to the other brothers and sisters in this church? I'm not talking about just the crowd you run with. I get, I understand that we can't run with everybody. I understand that it's a large ministry, a large church, lots of different ages. Lot, we group, and that's natural, and that's good, and we encourage that. But you still have a responsibility to love all of God's people here. The old ones, the old ones got to love the young ones. The young ones got to love the old ones, and the middle ones got to love both. This is our responsibility. It is a commitment to devote. I am devoted to loving you. And you must be devoted to loving others, and that includes me being, me demonstrating this by preferring you before myself. The word means to lead out, <clears throat> to go before. So what does it mean? It means that I am, to, I am to prefer you. You go first. 
Isn't that what teachers try to teach children? Take your turn. Let them go first. Demonstrate preference. Though the world lacks civility these days, surely in the church, surely in the church, there ought to be a devotedness to loving one another and preferring each other before ourselves. This is such an important matter. Psalm 15.4 says, and I'm breaking in, but the one phrase in Psalm 15.4 that's important in talking about a godly man or woman is they honor those who fear the Lord. Do you honor God's people? Do you demonstrate preference to them? Do you, are you devoted to loving them? Well, the practice of brotherly love is unending. That's why Paul said in Hebrews 13.1, let love of the brethren continue. You know, he was writing that to these Hebrew Christians who were losing everything. Don't you think that a time couldn't come in America when Christians will be on trial and on the hot seat? It can come. The world's changing. And it's not becoming more of a desire to follow God. It's becoming less and less a desire to follow God. As paganism rises again and raw, hard secularism comes and the next generations come without any knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the pressure comes upon those who name the name of Jesus, and there's pressure. What, what is the one thing that helps the believer endure? Let love of the brethren continue. We'll need more than, not less. And it's interesting to see that, you know, isn't it interesting? I read some uh, quote to, what was it? There's more love in a house than in a palace. You know, think about it. Some of the hardest conditions and circumstances of the world, I, I know in talking with my own family members who've gone before who didn't have much, they had each other and they had love for one another. Perhaps this is what God is doing, isn't He? Taking away all these peripheral things, just taking them away. They're vanishing. So that we're left with only each other and the Lord. Might be a good thing. Might be the thing that changes us. Perhaps it's the way to strengthen the church. Brotherly love is unending, my dear friends. It is the continuing duty of my life to love God's people. And it is your continuing duty as long as you breathe as a follower of Jesus to be useful and fruitful to God to love the brethren. Then we come to this issue of learning how to love the brethren. Look at this wonderful verse, 1 Thessalonians 4.9. Now as to love of the brethren, Paul's writing... Remember, this is Paul's first letter <clears throat> that he ever wrote to a church, the, the, the Thessalonians, who were so filled with excitement and joy, and the, the, word of, the, the word about them was spread everywhere. People heard all about their faith in God. <clears throat> they were famous, <clears throat> excuse me, among God's people. <clears throat> and so here we see Paul saying, now, as to love of the brethren, I don't have any, you don't have any, I don't have any need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. 
who taught us to love one another better than the Lord Jesus. Think about his love for those disciples. Think about the brotherly love. Think, you, think about the brotherly brotherhood and fellowship they enjoyed together. And how devastating and terrible it was the night when the Lord said to them at the table, One of you will betray me. The shock of betrayal in the brotherhood. The shock of it. The hurt of it. The despair and the pain that they experienced. There was real, deep, and abiding love that the Lord Jesus had for those disciples and they had for one another. Though they had their spats, though they fought over who was the greatest, though they argued about things, though they tried to be first and get closer to Jesus and rival with each other, they, they had a, a real love for one another. Paul said in Ephesians 5.1, Be imitators of God as beloved children. By the way, have you noticed what kids do? This is a scary thing. They watch what adults do. Children watch what adults do, and then they do it. So, so our little one, our, our little, um, what is he? He's going to be 11 months old, November, 1st of November. Shauna, right following you, 11 months. Can you believe that? But here, here it is. The, 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 I just pulled my phone out because here's all my daughter. My daughter does this a lot. She's on her phone. And she does her hands on her phone. And now that little one gets the phone and he wants to do this with his hands. Little children watch what adults do. Do we watch what God does? Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. This is my lifestyle. This is your responsibility and mine. Just as Christ loved you and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. You know what? Loving the brethren is going to cost you something more than your money, more than your time. It's going to cost you a part of your life you'll never get back. That's what it's going to cost you. That's what we do. That's the difference between the church being some kind of holy club and being the people of God filled with Philadelphian, brotherly love. Finally, brotherly love is a mark of salvation. Boy, John always got to it, didn't he? We have a, we have a, a, a preacher friend. He comes once in a while. When he's not preaching, he's an evangelist. He'll come. And an uh, African-American friend of mine comes. And he'll come in here. And sometimes he, say, he tells me, he says, You know, people tell me, Oh, don't you love John, the apostle of love? And he says, Have you ever read First John? You know if you've read it. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. Here's the mark of salvation. If you don't love God's people, you're not saved, is what John's saying. He who does not abide in love is in death. 1 John 2, 9. The one who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness. Whatever you have, whatever religion you have, it's not real. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. You don't love God. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And so we all run to make excuses when the word of God, the mirror of God's word turns on my heart. Do I love God's people? Well, I have some things for you to remember. I'll just read them quickly. 
the best way to discern grace in yourself is to love grace in other people. You ought to be attracted to the grace and the spiritual, the spiritual wonderful joy of seeing God's people grow. You see, faith knits us to God and love knits us to one another. Love knits us together. The bond of the Spirit among Christians is greater than the bond of blood and families. Look, it's deeper, it's longer. You see, every one of our families, everybody in your family must make a decision. Will I follow Jesus and be saved or lost? And at death, there is a great separation of the blood family, sadly. But there is no separation of those who have the bond of the Spirit, who've been saved together by the same Holy Spirit of God. We will be together for eternity. The bond of, of the Spirit among Christians is greater than the bond of blood families. Brotherly love is love for God's saints. Brotherly love is admiration for God's work in your brother. The brother in Christ's relationship to Christ makes you love him all the more. Those who one day will live together in glory should love together in this world. And God brings His people. This is the one I wanted you to truly hear me say, especially in these days. God brings His people together in afflictions. See, we're all, we're all experiencing the same general afflictions from these trials we're in now in the world. We're all commonly experiencing them. God brings us together in afflictions that we may be together in our affections for each other. We need probably more than anything else right now a big, good, strong dose of brotherly kindness in this church. That's what we need. And it'll only get done if we all start doing it. The flowers of grace will not grow in a hateful, unloving heart, my friends. The flowers of grace don't grow there. There's hatefulness, unforgiveness, attacking, cynicism, and criticism. And the spirit of prayer, I can promise you this, is silenced where brotherly strife exists. There's no praying, there's just fighting. What did James say? You bite and you devour one another. And you have not because you ask not. See, when you're fighting, you don't pray. And if you pray, you pray for your own selfish purposes. So tonight, I use my daily use section to ask you these questions. As I've already asked myself, I'm asking myself these same questions. I love you in Jesus, but I'm your pastor tonight. Do I love all God's people or just some of God's people? The ones that agree with me. The ones that have the same ideas I do. Do you love all God's people? It's a yes or no. You have to decide. Am I practicing hypocritical man showing love for God's people? You do it to be seen of men. When nobody's around, you got something totally different to say about God's people, don't you? Confess your hypocrisy. Ask yourself the question tonight, why don't I love all of God's people? Why don't I love all of God's people? What is it that keeps me from, well, they've, been, they've done this, they've done, so have I, so have you. Do I have a warm heart of love for all God's people? Is it warm? 
Is my heart warmed by the joy of being with God's people? Am I devoted in loving God's people regardless of their actions? I'm going to be devoted to love God's people, listen, regardless of what they do or say. Next week we'll talk more and remind ourselves more of what unselfish love is. You know some of those things. Patience, kindness, gentleness, tenderheartedness. Love is not so much an emotion as it is actions. And do I need to repent of my inconsistent love for all God's people? Well, these are challenging words for us tonight. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, Philadelphian, and in your Philadelphian, agape. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God, and we thank you for the warming, encouraging, I think of the times in my life where others have extended to me brotherly kindness. I thank you for it. And I'm seeking to do the same, but not always like I should. I don't think I'm alone in that prayer. In this room, all of us have held, have had the experience of the helping hand of the brotherly kindness of another believer to pray for us, to help us, to serve us, to work with us, to walk with us, to be patient with us, to give to us, to support us. We have experienced brotherly kindness from others. Forgive us when we have not expressed brotherly kindness in return. Show us our shortcomings. Make this a goal in our lives, Lord, that tonight we would add to godliness. How can I say I am godly if I have no brotherly love? How can I say it? There's something missing. So help us as a church to live and conduct ourselves toward one another with deep, abiding, genuine, warm-hearted brotherly love. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for being here tonight. It's always good to see you. And may the Lord bless you. When, uh, let me remind you, Sunday, we go back to our old schedule of times on Sunday, uh, Sunday school Bible study time and worship. So 9 o'clock will be Sunday school and Bible study at the same time. And then 10.30, not 11 o'clock, 10.30, back to our old time. We will have our second worship services and our Bible study. So just make a note of that uh, so that we can all be together. We're sending out uh, our weekly letter. We'll remind everyone, but pass the word uh, to remind everybody so that they won't be uh, uh, interrupted. We're trying to pass the word to all the Bible study and Sunday school classes and get things going. It's always good to see you. May the Lord bless you. Have a great evening and say hello to somebody tonight. God bless you.